Well, hey, everybody. Thanks again for uh, joining us this weekend uh, on Grace Online. And I hope that you guys are doing well. It's another week here of uh, being at home. And some of that's fun and a lot of that's trying. And so as we're trying to work from home and do school from home and be connected that way, uh, just know that we're with you and we're praying for you and uh, asking God that will kind of help you redeem that time and uh, use it in great, great ways. But thanks for taking time uh, and joining us here online and making being together in this way uh, a priority. I think it's important and I hope that it's refreshing and it's hope-filled and uh, it keeps us dialed in to who God has, has called us to be. Uh, so this is a big week, right? So it's Holy Week. And uh, we're not going to be able to gather together for communion and gather together for Easter services like we normally would. Uh, but we still want to prioritize those things. If there's ever a time to remember uh, the power and the hope that is Jesus, it's, it's, it's right now and kind of the times that we live in. And so we want to keep kind of some of the celebrations and some of the focuses of Holy Week in front of us. And we're going to do that a couple of different ways. So we're going to have communion this week and we're going to celebrate that together. And uh, what we're going to do is on Good Friday, uh, we're actually going to schedule several times on Good Friday where myself and Pastor Ezra are going to lead you through a communion service at home. And so you'll have the supplies or be able to get those. And then uh, you can gather your family or if you, if you live by yourself, maybe Zoom a couple friends in, but find a way to get together with either your family or to connect electronically with a couple of people. And uh, we'll meet you live and online and we'll walk right through that communion time together, uh, have some worship together online and observe that on Good Friday. I think it'll be really, really good. Uh, Jesus says to do this until he returns. And so we want to do that and we want to make that a, a big focal point this week. And then next weekend, we're going to celebrate uh, Easter services and, and we're going to celebrate uh, who Jesus is. And we're going to celebrate what he did for us. And uh, we're going to celebrate his resurrection from the dead. So we'll gather again online like this. Uh, but make a big deal of it. Get up, make breakfast for everybody, gather the family, have them, have them sit down and actually engage uh, that time together in a big, big way. And let's remember who Christ is and what he did for us and uh, how we can connect with each other. So uh, those events are going to play out this week, and I think they're going to be a blast. Uh, I think we're going to kind of make the best of the situation that we're in uh, but I promise you, this will be a, a holy week and an Easter that we will not forget. <laughs> we'll always remember 2020 and uh, the unique ways that we were able to be together. But let's kind of make that a point, right? Prioritize it. And let's prioritize communion and let's prioritize Easter. And, uh, and we'll have fun doing that together. So watch for information on that. Uh, we'll be sending stuff out. Of course, the, the website and the app is kind of the main portal for those things. Uh, but, but keep your eye on that, and we'll go through that uh, this week, all right? I also want to just uh, take a moment here before I start teaching you and, and uh, kind of take a, a time to have a kind of a, a virtual offering, so to say. And so we've been praying a lot. I just want you to know that we are so, so aware 
of the economic pressures that uh, many of you are under this, this week. Many of us went through layoffs and many of us went through furloughs or reductions in salary or commissions, etc. And uh, we did that here at the church too. Uh, we reduced our salaries for all of our staff. We reduced hours. We even furloughed some of our staff. And so we're feeling that pinch together. And if that happened to you and your family this week, I just want you to know that we love you and we're praying for you and, uh, and we want to be there for you. So your connection card on the app is a great way to communicate with us. We're trying to reach out and uh, to check on everybody. But if we haven't got to you yet, you can reach back to us through that connection card. Take advantage of that. Those of us who are able to give, we need you to do that right now. And so if you're able to continue to give financially to Grace, we would be so grateful for that. Uh, the ministries of the church still continue. So if you're able to do that. And I know that some of you, uh, some of you watch us all over the country and even all over the world. And uh, if you're in an area that's less affected or your financial income is is still steady. If you've never given to Grace and you never interacted with us that way, uh, we would, we'd be grateful if you did that right now. And so uh, here on the screen, you can see text to give, encourage you to do that right now and encourage you to, uh, to go to the app and go to the website and uh, continue to honor God. And we'll continue to pour those resources out into the ministries that, that we we run all the time here. They still need our support. If you're able to, we need you to. If you're not able to, we love you. And we're praying for you and completely understand uh, the economic turmoil that we all find ourselves in together right now. Okay, so if you could stop and do that now, uh, we'd be grateful. And I, wanna, I just want to pray for us as, as, uh, as we get rolling here and before we jump into our, our conversation this morning, okay? Would you bow your heads with me and we'll pray together. Jesus, we love you and we're grateful for your goodness to us. Lord, it's, it's a crazy time right now for us, right? And so our lives are disrupted and some of us are feeling very alone. Some of us are feeling extraordinary financial pressure. We're feeling the loss of hopes and dreams and plans and and you tell us, God, that we're to bring all of that anxiety and all of that care and, and put it at your feet. Uh, you don't scold us. You don't tell us that it could be worse or you don't do that. You care about what we feel and you care about the unique circumstances that we're going through. And so we're asking you for that, Lord. We're asking you for your help. We're asking you for your, your leadership. We're asking you for your peace and your strength. And I ask that for myself and, and my family and then everyone and every family that's tied in, that you would just guide us through these, these uncharted waters for us. So thank you. Thank you that you hear us right now, that we're not talking to the wind, but we're talking to our creator. Thank you that you care about the nuances of our life and, uh, and steer us through this time. We love you, Jesus. Open our hearts and minds even now to what you want to teach us in your name. Amen. Amen. 
All right, so we've been, uh, we've been looking at the book of James here for the last few weeks, and uh, we said that we, we wanted to hang out in this book a little bit uh, because James, the letter that he wrote, James is the author of the letter, the letter that he wrote, he wrote to people who were going through difficult times and who were scattered during that time. They couldn't get together uh, the way that they would normally get together. And so James speaks from kind of that position and says, hey, as you're separated, these are some of the trials that you are going to undergo. These are some of the temptations that you're going to face. And as a Christ follower, uh, this is how you can find hope and how you can find joy in the middle of those times. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to James chapter one. Encourage you to grab that. And if you have a physical Bible, I, I write in my Bible all the time. So maybe this is a time that you can make notes and do highlights and all that kind of stuff. But look at that. And then this is also on your app and on the, on the websites and stuff like that. So it, it's all kind of right there in front of you. So open that up. But James chapter one, verse one, we'll just kind of read through it real quick together. And then we'll dive into the next section. Ready? Here it is. Verse one, chapter one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And then he says this, consider or count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms fall, its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. And we've kind of worked through those first 11 verses the last few weeks encourage you if you miss those conversations, the app, the website, podcast is probably worth a listen. I think you'll find that helpful and hopeful kind of through this, this time that we're, that we're in. But this week, I want to move the conversation forward. And I want to do that by keying in on verse 12 of chapter one, verse 12 of chapter one. So this is what James says. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised those who love him. And so James kind of is wrapping up his thoughts from verse one through 11 here. And he kind of summarizes it and he says, listen, you're blessed, you're kind of like extra blessed. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, 
that person will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So let's talk about this for a second. The one who perseveres under trial or the one, the one who endures, the one who gets kind of in physical or spiritual shape, they build an endurance, that person is blessed because they're gonna receive this crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So I want you to think about this crown for a second. The crown of life here that James is talking about is not the crown of rulership. So don't think of like the Queen of England or Prince Charles or whoever. Don't think of like a crown of rulership. Think of a crown of victory, a crown of victory. So think about the Olympics when you've gotten gold, silver, bronze, and they'll often give you like your medal and then they'll put the, the wreath, the crown on your head. And that's what James is talking about and kind of the imagery that he's using. So this crown of life is not a crown of like, I won life. I'm, I'm the most popular and the best looking and the wealthiest and the most powerful kind of a thing. That's a crown of rulership. This is a crown of victory. It's a spiritual victory. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, blessed are those who persevere under trial because having stood the test of that trial, having their faith matured and their faith completed, they'll be victorious spiritually. Jesus will reward that and will bless them in that process, all right? So let's think about this for a second. Last week, we, we looked at a couple passages uh, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we looked at verses 8 through 10. Verse 10 was a, kind of the one that we keyed in on, where the Apostle Paul says this. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And we talked about that for quite a while last weekend, but we, we kind of summarized it this way. We said, the death and the life of Jesus is the ultimate example of God's power and love being greater than circumstances. That the death and the, death and the resurrection of Jesus totally flips circumstances kind of on their ear, so to say, turns them upside down completely. Death, which is usually a place of defeat, it's the last thing that anybody wants to deal with, right? Death produced life. Jesus's death was the key to us having eternal life, spiritual life, his death and his resurrection. So death produced life. Defeat, Jesus's defeat on the cross, when, when he breathed his last, uh, the evil one, the devil, and the enemies of Jesus, the, the Jewish rulers, even the Romans, the power brokers of the day, they would have looked and said, see, we defeated him. We, we took him out. We won that. Well, that death, that defeat results in victory, right? The, the evil one, Satan, would have said, I finally got rid of the Son of God. But Jesus laid down his life 
being our substitutionary atonement, he paid a debt he didn't know for those of us who owe a debt that we can't pay, only to take his life back up. And in doing so, he defeated death, which everybody thought had won, and he defeated defeat. <laughs> he defeated sin, which everybody thought had won. It's a total reversal because of who he is and what he does. And we were looking at that last week and saying that's typical of Christ and it's typical of, the, of those who, of us who follow him. That's why we would count trials as joy instead of counting trials as misery. We would see value and wonder in them. Okay, so I want to kind of start there this, this weekend. And I want to build off of that foundation that Jesus is suffering his death and his resurrection is, is the ultimate example of God's power and love being greater than our circumstances. And it is also the ultimate example of how perseverance under trial results in spiritual victory. See, what James is saying here, we're blessed when we persevere under trial because we, we win. We get the victor's crown. Jesus's suffering and Jesus's death is the ultimate example of how perseverance under trial results in that victory, right? So this is, we call this Palm Sunday weekend, right? Whether you're, you're watching this on Saturday or when we, show, when we watch it on Sunday, right? So when, on Palm Sunday weekend, we're looking and we're talking about uh, Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we call it Palm Sunday because the people were all excited. The Bible says they laid palm branches down for him, for him to, to walk over. And so his triumphal entry into Jerusalem kicks off the last week of Jesus's life. In fact, I want us to look at this together. Uh, take your Bibles, go back to the, to the left, maybe, I don't know, 100 or 150 pages, and go to Matthew chapter 21. I just want to read this together. Matthew chapter 21. This is one of the accounts of Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday weekend. And this is what the Bible says, verse one, chapter 21 of Matthew. As they approached Jerusalem, uh, they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut down palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? 
the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so Jesus, his triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, he's walking or riding this colt into Jerusalem. People are going nuts. He's at the peak of his popularity. He's a rock star. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're so excited that he is there and so pumped that he has finally arrived. And I want us to think this through for a minute, okay? So Jesus walks into Jerusalem. He rides into Jerusalem. At that point in his life, his life is on cruise control from a earthly perspective, right? I mean, everything is going his way. He's popular. He's got followers. He's blowing it up on Twitter. He's Instagram. He's doing it all, right? He's huge. When he rides into Jerusalem, his earthly life is on cruise control. And all expectations at that point is that it's going to skyrocket. Now, from that point to a week later, a week later, he goes from rock star, everything is rocking and rolling, to hanging on a cross, uttering his last words, and gasping for his final breath. That all happened in a week. And three days after that, he, he dies, he's buried. He raises again, three days after that, death and sin are defeated, right? And that's an incredible roller coaster. Things are rocking and rolling on planet Earth. Everybody thinks that Jesus is on top of the world to this huge and sudden collapse where now he's a, he's a criminal. He's crucified. He's gasping for breath and bleeding out to three days after that, the grave has been defeated and he is alive and well and risen again and wearing or being the conqueror, the victor, the one who is able to give the crown of life, right? This is an amazing process. Jesus moves from earthly success, right? The triumphal entry to spiritual victory, his resurrection from the dead. I want you to get this down. He moves from earthly success, the triumphal entry, and then he goes, you know, a week later and he winds up raising again from the dead. So he has spiritual victory. And in between earthly success and spiritual victory, what you find is shown to us is Jesus persevering from earthly success to spiritual victory. The way his love is predominantly displayed to us is through his suffering, through the false accusations, through the torment, through the cross. And his life is rocking and rolling and sin and death are defeated. And in the middle, he stood the test. He persevered through it all. It's fascinating how the writers of Hebrews address this. This is what they say. 
talking now to Christ followers, they say this, they say, let, it, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of God. Guys, what happens to us often in life is in between earthly ease and eternal reward, there is often the need for perseverance and endurance. In between earthly ease and eternal reward, there is often the need for perseverance and endurance. Jesus came to Jerusalem. He had a motivation, right? He endured the cross and it created a victory for him. And he would look at you and I and he would say, if you're trying to figure out how to go through trials or how to earn the crown of life or, or embrace the reward that God has prepared for us, there's going to be some level of transition in your life that is beyond earthly ease and before spiritual reward. And what's going to be in that, that phase of your life is trials and the need for perseverance and the need for endurance and ease to reward. That's the path that you're going to walk. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this, verse 3, chapter 12 says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus and what he endured so that you don't lose heart. Think about the path that he went down. Think about the roller coaster of his life. He, he was not somebody who just was on cruise control. That's not the way his life went. And when I'm going through my life, I'm looking at Christ saying, God, if you'll just make my life easier, if you'll make it better, if you'll, if you'll just release me from all pain. That was not Jesus's life. There were moments in his life that kind of felt like that. The triumphal entry would have been one of those moments. But if I want spiritual victory, in order to get from that moment to this moment, God allows trials in my life. And I count those trials as joy because what they're producing in me is the crown of life, see, the spiritual victory that is greater than any earthly benefit that I could ever have. And when you go back to James, flip back over to the book of James, go back to the right. When you go through the book of James and you read it with that mindset, you're seeing that math played out there. Look at it again. That's why we would consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. Why? Because trials allow my faith to be tested and that produces perseverance. To get from earthly ease to eternal reward, I need to produce perseverance in my life. 
God is giving me something. It's a gift there. That perseverance finishes its work so that I am not lacking anything so that I can be mature and complete. And James says in verse 12, then blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, you receive the crown of life. God in essence looks at us and says, listen, you would tend to want earthly ease. All of us do. I liked life a lot better three weeks ago. I really did. The economy was great. Business was good. There was a little extra for everybody. We were allowed out of our houses. We could plan our vacations. We kind of knew what was going on in the future. I liked life a lot better three weeks ago. And God would look at us and say, listen, that is not the whole of what I want to give you. You have to understand, if all you ever had was the triumphal entry, if all you ever had was these up, up to upbeat moments where life is going your way and everybody thinks you're a rock star, if that's all you ever had, you would never actually gain the best stuff in your life. In fact, Jesus says another place, he says, careful that you don't gain the world and lose your soul. If Jesus had entered into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday and said, you know what, I'll take it. I'm a rock star. They're going to make me king. I want a crown of authority instead of a crown of life. You and I would be lost. We would have no salvation. We would have no hope. We would have no forgiveness. It would all be lost because Jesus would have cashed in a short-term gain and lost a long-term victory. But he kept going for the joy set before him. What was the joy? The joy was the eternal reward, our salvation, our life with him, our hope, our fulfillment, the thing, our security, the things that we actually want in life. Jesus walked away from the triumphal entry moment and endured the cross, see? The greater joy was what was going to happen spiritually. The greater joy was what was going to happen eternally. He endured the cross. He persevered. He stood the test. And the result was life and eternal life and power, spiritual power and hope. Hope founded in Christ and on the gospel, see. And Jesus would look at you and I and say, careful, because life three weeks ago was pretty good. I mean, there were so many jobs, we didn't have enough people to fill them. I mean, it was pretty good. And life three weeks later, it has been a real roller coaster. And in some very real ways, there's disappointments and there's frustrations, but then there's like, I don't have a job and neither does my spouse. I, I, don't, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for school and the house and the, see. there's real frustrations and real fear that didn't exist three weeks ago, but are very much our present reality. And as a Christ follower, Jesus would look and say through his word, the Bible, through James, 
he would say, count that as joy because you're, you can make bank here. The, the crown of life is more valuable than the triumph of earth. And in between earthly ease and spiritual victory, you're always going to find trials, perseverance, and endurance. And if you will withstand those, see, the crown of life, the permanent stuff is your reward. I was thinking about this and, and I, I really got to thinking about who wrote it. And one of the reasons why I like the book of James so much is because James was Jesus's brother. And, and I was thinking about kind of the authority which with he, he wrote this book. And so when James is writing this letter to people, he, he's not writing it out of like a philosophy or a, a theory. This is a reflection of his heart. And it's a reflection of what he's had to like process through personally. And you start thinking about the roller coaster of Jesus's brother's life that we know in another part of the Bible that Jesus's siblings and his family, a lot of them thought he was kind of nuts, which if, if you think about it, it, it would be difficult. Like when, when you're growing up with somebody and they think they're God <laughs> and they actually are, because a lot of our older siblings, they did think they were God, but they're not. So, but they actually are. I mean, that's tough to process. Like my brother is God. So James would have wrestled with that growing up, right? He went from, I don't know, maybe my brother's nuts to he's a rock star. My, my brother is the most popular guy in, in my existence. Everybody in Israel thinks he's a big deal. And, and that all kind of peeks out at the triumphal entry. And you're sitting there watching your brother People are yelling at him, Hosanna, Hosanna, laying their cloaks down, cutting the palm trees off, putting them down. Your brother is a rock star. So you kind of go on that roller coaster. A week later, he's a criminal. And he's being falsely accused, but accused. Falsely tried, but tried. You know all of this. You are probably seeing it. Now he's on a cross. You're watching your brother who I'm sure James loved his brother, right? So you're watching your brother suffer and die. You're watching your mother watch her son do that. Now there's all of these ramifications in James's life that the Bible says that the disciples went and hid. They kind of went and hid in the upper room and locked the door there. But what about James? The Bible doesn't tell us what he did, but we can imagine it. Everybody knows you're Jesus's brother. And now there's kickback into your family, his wife and his kids, and we're in danger. And the Romans are mad at my family. And so are the Jewish leaders. And all of this kicks back into James's life. Your brother dies, your mother's devastated, your family name is shamed, your wife and your kids are in danger. The worst thing that has ever happened to you has just happened to you right, this week. Where you, seven days ago, everybody was a rock star and you're in. And seven days later, your wife has absolutely blown up 
and collapsed around you. And then spiritual victory happens. Not earthly, spiritual, the crown of life. Because Jesus was never put back up on rock star status. He never like settled things down with the Romans or the Jewish leaders. In fact, that's why this book is written is because they were scattered and being persecuted. They had to run for their lives. But spiritual victory happened. Earthly ease to spiritual victory with all kinds of trials and endurance and perseverance in the middle. And James, from that place of seeing all of it, talking to his brother who he probably saw die but now has interacted with as a risen Lord and Savior. Talking to his brother, who I'm sure he had doubts about, now looks at his own brother and says, I don't have doubts anymore. And so from this roller coaster life with a huge crescendo and a massive fall all the way up to a spiritual victory, where James lands is this, look at it, verse one, chapter one of James. This is his declaration, or this is the math that he does. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James looks at his own brother and he says, I saw it. I saw the earthly ease be erased and I saw the suffering." And I saw the trials and I saw the endurance and I see the crown of life, the spiritual victory. And I choose that. See, I choose that. So much so that I will call my brother. Think about this. I will call my brother, my Lord, Jesus Christ. I worship my own brother because I've seen this process and I see that the spiritual victory is greater than any earthly ease that I could ever have or imagine. See. Guys, God's up to something. He's up to something. And he's up to something in our culture and he, he's up to something in your life and, and you need to know that, right? And there is no greater example of this than our Lord himself. He, he showed us on, on Holy Week, we'll call it. He showed us. He had the world and he could have stopped, but there was a greater joy that he wanted and he reached for it. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, you should consider him. When you're going through perseverance, when you need to have perseverance, when you're going through trials, when you need to endure, you should consider him because it will help you not grow weary. When you see the outcome of what Jesus went through, that same victory, that same crown of life is offered to all of his followers when we stand the test, when we go through trials.
I was thinking about this. When you think about earthly ease and then you think about spiritual reward, you know, so much of our earthly ease has been lost. How many trillions of dollars have been lost in the last three weeks? It's trillions. How many hours of isolation have you with, uh, undergone in the last three weeks? It, it is hard to be apart from each other. And I, I actually think one of, the, one of the silver linings of all of this is we're reminded that we love each other and need to be with each other. But how many hours of isolation, how, how many hours of temptation and hours of, of trying to battle depression or trying to battle addictions or, or trying to get outside of your own head with things, right? It's hard. How many hours of that have been lost these last few weeks? How, how many disappointments have we gone through in the last three weeks? Everything from vacations to sports seasons to future plans to financial goals, on and on and on. How many disappointments? How many things that cause our earthly ease have been lost in the last three weeks? Right. Now ask yourself this question. How many crowns of life have been lost? Zero. What is eternal cannot be taken from us. The treasure we laid up in heaven cannot be taken from us. The acts of righteousness that we do for the, for the sake and in the name of Jesus cannot be taken from us. Our eternal security cannot be taken from us. None of it has gone anywhere. How many triumphal entry moments have been lost? And how many resurrection crowns, victories have been lost? Zero, right? And in the middle, there's opportunity. And it's a God-given opportunity. It's an opportunity to stand and to persevere. As we love our neighbors, as we check on people, as we say hi, as we serve each other, as we bring the food, as we mow somebody's grass, all those kind of things, that opportunity is richer than it's ever been before. As we lead and love our friends, high school student, college student, listen to me. Your, your friends are anxious and scared and isolated. The opportunity for you to lead and love them for you to be different because you are a child of God is enormous. It's enormous, right? As we persevere, as we stand the test, the opportunity to see our children, watch our faith conquer our fears. Mom and dad, you got laid off, you got your hours reduced, you took a hit, you're at home, you're at home with the kids, or maybe you're trying to work from home and the opportunity to illustrate your faith is, is incredible right now. You never get to teach your kids this way for this long. They, they never, they get to hear you talk about things and now they get to watch you live things. It's, a, it's enormous. But we have to persevere. We have to stand the test as we go through the trials the opportunity for our church to love and lead our community, to be a place of hope, 
to, to be a place of provision, to, to, be, to be a people of joy and strength and certainty. See, it's huge. We have to persevere. See, we're blessed that we have the opportunity to do that. Jesus's darkest hour was his finest. Did you ever think about that? Jesus's darkest hour was his finest. And the writer of Hebrews says, consider him. Consider what he did. Consider the cross so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That means that our darkest hour can be our finest. The greater the trial, the greater the opportunity. See? It means that this church's darkest hour can be our finest. As we go through hard times and we can't gather and we have to cut back financially and all the things that everybody else is going through, to stand with hope and with unity and with joy and with resolve, even though our life isn't going the way that we want it to go. The darkest hours are the finest hours for the people of God. And it's our Savior himself who taught us that and illustrated that and lived that for us. All right, guys, I love you. And we are here for you. We are together in this. Let your light shine before men. It's a wonderful time. And a dark hour is a great time for a bright light. Let your light shine before men. Persevere. Stand the test. Find your courage, right? And God tells us that there's a reward crown of life. There's a wonderful eternal reward that will never be taken, will never be stolen, will never tarnish, and will be given to us by a loving God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We're grateful to you. Help us, God. Help us to be people of faith and courage in in these, these difficult times, Lord. And there, there are difficult times all throughout history. And this is a period that you have asked us to be in and asked us to let our light shine in. And so help us to be people of hope and people of joy and give us perseverance. God, it can be really, really hard. We can, we can run out of steam and run out of gas and, and lose perspective of who you are and what you're doing. But would you empower us through your Holy Spirit? Would you embolden us? And would you help us to find the faith? God, I also pray for those who are listening to this who do not know you yet. And they would look and say, my my life of ease has been taken from me and I have lost hope. And God, would you at this very moment press into their heart And help them to know that you are the only hope. And that your love and your salvation and what you did for us on the cross. And the victory that you won for us through your resurrection. Is what you want to draw them to and invite them to. 
And in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you help them to know your love? Would you help them to understand the truth of who Christ is and maybe even yield to him in a way that they never have before? We trust you in these things, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.